What does resilience look like in a post-COVID world? Let's just say it's complicated, but it should be one of your top priorities right now. I'm your host, Oliver Loma, and this is IT Availability Now, the show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. Today, we're taking a fresh look at resilience, specifically at business continuity plans and all that entails. We'll look at not only why so many BC plans failed to anticipate the pandemic, but what companies need to do now to refresh, rethink and reinvigorate their resilience. I'm joined by Chris Butler. He's Lead Principal Consultant, Resilience and Security at SunGuard AS. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Ollie. Thanks for having me. So obviously this year has completely transformed the way businesses think about resilience. So I want to start with a look back. Before 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic, what was the state of operational resilience at most organisations? So I'm going to be guilty of a gross generalisation here, but I think it's fair to say that the business continuity industry has been seen as quite mature in recent years. Unless, of course, you've been amongst those who've experienced the disruption uh, personally, the hard, the, you know, the hard way. Um, you could say that there's been a general decline in interest around business continuity in some sectors, but by no means all over a number of years. And for example, the types of drivers for that have been a gradual increase in the use of online platforms like uh, Office 365 and Zoom. And this perception that the cloud, whatever the cloud is, uh, it means different things to different people. The perception that the cloud is safe and secure and resilient. Um, and business continuity managers themselves have, have felt slightly perhaps marginalized or people have been looking to make savings in certain areas. And business continuity has been one of those areas. And it's also fair to say that in certain sectors as well, there's been a bit of box ticking when it comes to business continuity. There may well have been plans in place, but never properly tested. And they certainly weren't challenged to any great depth. Uh, We've talked with companies who've wanted a plan because they have to for compliance reasons or because their supply chain required them to have one. But then more recently, the idea, this wider idea of of organizational or enterprise resilience has um, come to the fore, but um, that's a slightly more recent development. Uh, there is an example that goes against that, which is the financial services sector. They've taken operational resilience very seriously because they're heavily regulated uh, and you know, they, they are being forced down this line, but they, they are following it quite willingly. Um, other sectors perhaps haven't yet devoted as much time as that sector to um, to, to organizational operational resilience or business continuity. And they've been uh, required to go down this route of understanding their systems, their complex systems in greater depth, the impacts if disrupted, and the sort of the business, the tolerances to those business uh, uh, impacts if they were to take place. But basically what we've seen now is that the pandemic has shown that business continuity plans have been a bit, insuff- uh, they've, they've not really been up to scratch for many companies. They've been insufficient. And they've now got to take resilience and business continuity uh, more seriously, and those who've had some inherent resilience uh, have succeeded. So it sounds like more organisations are taking business continuity more seriously. How has this um, changed perceptions of resilience since the pandemic started? Um, I'd I'd certainly say so. Um, the fact that some companies have realised that their plans aren't perhaps up to scratch has made them realise that. We've certainly seen the executive, the C-suite, become much more engaged uh, as companies examine their resilience. Some indeed have been hands-on uh, in the response to the pandemic, almost marginalising their business continuity managers at the same time. 
because they've decided that because of the impacts of their business and the consequences on the business as well, they've they've um, had to step up their ownership of resilience and and, and uh, their response. Um, to what extent this executive oversight uh, remains in the long term remains to be seen, but it's certainly a good thing for now. But companies are also looking at their resilience in new ways. Um, for example, the timings, the duration. Many organizations had plans for disruptions that were focused around days or weeks, but certainly not months. Uh, many plans didn't fully incorporate uh, the impact of vendor or supply chain or partner struggling with with the, with the same disruption over a long period. Cybersecurity, equally, uh, has been a challenge, and increasingly so with an extended remote workforce. Many companies pushed for a sudden sort of work from home and, and had less access into their office environment. Um, and that's another area that, that has had to have some significant focus. Some companies are also using this uh, to accelerate the transformation to the cloud. And equally, there's, there are some who are guilty of rushing that way as well. There are a whole, ra whole range of pitfalls in this particular area, including cybersecurity. But that's just the, sort of the, the higher level, if you like. At the sort of frontline level, the tactical level, um, some companies are still working out how they'll operate in the future with um, a dispersed workforce um, for a longer period. Um, other companies are working out what their future BC strategies are like and the BC managers' roles within that. And it's worth reminding everyone that in this pandemic, by and large, IT has remained available. Uh, there's been a real lack of IT disruption in the majority of cases. And most companies have managed to continue to operate quite happily with their IT infrastructure uh, in normal operations. And as they, they work out those tactics and fundamentally reevaluate their future state of operational resilience, are there any particular areas that they should be focusing on? I think there's there's several. Um, one thing, having just mentioned the the idea of the IT uh, working, um, actually that interconnection between business continuity and IT disaster recovery, I think, is something that needs to be addressed for future operational resilience. Uh, we've seen that these are areas are siloed in many companies, uh, and obviously with people outsourcing many services, there's it's, it's quite a complex environment. And the interface between those two areas is not well understood by everyone, either on the business side or indeed on the IT side. Um, and of course, critical business activities are always supported by critical business applications and technology. And keeping those going is, is an important area to, to bring focus back onto. But learning from the financial sector, their operational resilience work, um, companies need to address more deeply their tolerances. This is this idea that you need to accept that something is going to happen and you need to understand how far you're willing to accept that tolerant, that, that impact. At one point, does that become truly intolerable for the organization? And that's something that I say the financial services are leading on. And I think um, all companies should should um, address that in, in a bit more detail. Cyber is another big area. We've been recently talking to the chief executive of a bank and he's going to be running a, a cyber crisis workshop as an awareness exercise for, for them and their board. And some big cyber issues brewing, um, you know, potentially, according to cybersecurity professionals, a significant wave of cyber attacks on the horizon because of the vulnerabilities created by extended home working. We've seen an increase in the use of personal devices, which also brings in a number of cybersecurity questions. And in the rush to any cloud to outsource uh, services as part of the pandemic response, if that's been rushed, then there's likely to be 
misconfiguration issues, for example, security settings that aren't optimized as a consequence. So there's a few cybersecurity issues brewing there. And it's definitely the time to get your act together from a instant and crisis response to a cyber attack. Uh, you know, just ask most recently Garmin uh, or earlier in the year Travelex. You know, what have you, have you thought about what you do if you did suffer a ransomware attack, and would you pay? It's, it's not a simple and straightforward answer. And the final area I think to focus in on for the future is this idea of concentration risk, which is you know essentially having all your eggs in one basket. Do all your employees with the same role work in the same office from the same region or the same area? Are all your vendors similarly um, located in the, in the same geographical area? You know, you need to look into ways to be a bit more uh, distributive of those 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 assets, those those aspects, um, to be more resilient against disruption. So, once organisations have reassessed their BC plan, their resilience, and they've made some changes, put some of these things in place. What's the next level or what else should they be reevaluating? Yeah, to really go to the next level, I think this idea of supply chain resilience is, is really important. Um, and analyzing critically what that supply chain resilience is. You know, it's the idea of um, forging stronger partnerships rather than, ha- rather than having a zero-sum game, commercially competitive approach. If you have that support network, this sort of collaborative ecosystem, I think um, everyone can win from that where suppliers across up and down the up, up and down the supply chain support each other you know like friends who look after each other in a crisis for example so that sort of reviewing a supp- third party supply uh, is is important to develop the idea of the concentration risk uh, that i mentioned earlier then actually it's you know you don't need to look any further than the automotive industry uh, and their supply chain uh, back in february um, you could see that tesla's stock fell 13 points, 13 percentage points in one day um, due to the sudden inability to manufacture and ship key components from from their factories, of course, which they're in, in China. But, you know, Tesla's just one of many companies in, in that in that supply chain. You know, you can mitigate this through multiple sourcing, but equally, all supply chains have got several layers. For that example, you just need to go to the construction industry. There's um, outsourcing all the way down the supply chain. And what companies need to understand is their risk a level or two below those direct vendor relationships, your sort of first order relationships. So again, supply chain due diligence is important. You know, ask to see their plans and critically review them as well. And I think the third area uh, to to go on to the next level comes back to this um, cloud and security uh, aspect. Uh, if companies are indeed being driven by the pandemic to accelerate their cloud transformation journey, then this this this, this is um, something that could open up some real uh, vulnerabilities for them. If they are being forced into rushing plans, they're creating potentially costly vulnerabilities. Um, you know, cloud itself does have inherent resilience if it's managed correctly, but of course, cloud means different things to different people. And most companies have got different hybrid approaches to, to cloud. It is complex. There are shared responsibilities, and I think it just feels like there's a bit of an unseemly rush. Um, There's too many assumptions made behind it, so it's definitely a third area to focus in on. As companies take these steps right now in pursuit of greater resilience, the the pandemic is still top of mind. So what can organisations do to make sure they don't fall into old habits, get complacent, and find themselves back where they were pre-COVID? Yeah, it's a very good question. And firstly, and for me, the most important thing is this idea of, of capturing 
and then learning lessons uh, from the experience of the last sort of six months. And I'd stress that you only learn a lesson once you've decided what what the change needs to be and then resourced and implemented that change. It's no good just saying lessons must be learned. You've actually got to make a change in order to learn it properly. So going through a robust lessons capture process to review what they've uh, experienced to see how uh, their their organization needs to change as a, as a consequence. But equally, you've got to look forward to potential uh, other disruptions and conduct you know, war games, to use the military analogy. You need war game various scenarios. Uh, you could take the pandemic and, and make it worse. You could look at um, a ransomware attack all the way down to re reimagining your more mundane to IT outages, building outages. But you've got to be creative about these scenarios. Um, you know, you could think about if you were in a in the current um, situation with an extended um, uh, working from home arrangement and then suffered a serious cyber attack, how would that uh, how would you respond to that? So be creative about it. And and actually, you make sure that people can't say that couldn't happen here. That's not the most important thing. Um, there's also something uh, around people's assumptions, I think. Um, they need to re-examine re their initial assumptions behind business continuity plans, particularly, for example, around things like single points of failure. You know, people, organizations before the pandemic would never have considered that they could have potentially had up to 70% of their workforce unavailable. That was too extreme. So actually, you need to look at the various options as to whether, generically, what you do if you had 10% available, 40% available, 70% available, for example. So look at look at those points of failure. The the office being a point of failure um, came to light with one customer because the only place they could um, conduct laptop builds for working from home staff was in the office. And if they couldn't get in the office, they couldn't do that. So what are your single points of failure? Um, uh, so and, and that leads into the idea of, of being able to make sure you manage your your IT estate properly. You know, not everyone's been able to patch or update systems uh, easily when they've had a remote workforce. Some of whom are using um, their own devices, and if your staff when working from home and having to remote back into their office, then if you lose the office, there's another example of, you know, an inherent vulnerability. So not everyone is um, is is you know, is necessarily uh, updating their assumptions based on those sorts of experiences. Um, and I think you know they, that's that's a fundamental to be to be readdressed when they're starting to consider what their future uh, resilience posture is going to be once they've worked out what their future business as usual posture is going to be. Well, Chris, uh, thanks very much. And obviously, we're not out of the pandemic just yet, but you've given us a lot to think about in terms of improving resilience. And it sounds like the the next steps are key. You know, what is your office going to look like? How much of your workforce remains remote? But at the same time, it's addressing elements like cybersecurity, the risk of concentration and third party supply chains to eliminate single points of failure. And then moving forward, it's about testing and challenging those plans against a variety of disruptions or a combination of disruptions. Uh, yeah, that's right. I think, you know, the idea of ongoing resilience has to involve continuous improvement. Uh, and there's no doubt that this is forefront in many companies' minds right now. Chris, thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ollie. It's been great talking with you. You can find the show notes for this episode at sungardas.com forward slash IT availability now. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. 
I'm your host, Oliver Loma, and until next time, stay available.